Morning, everybody. How are we doing? Because all the kids are in with us this morning. And so we've got your, your version of, of the, uh, the Gospel of Mark. You can hand them out, Ben. That, thank you very much. If you take them over to your tables, and then I want, need you all to come, the youth to come, the youth, the, the kids to come to the front. Because we're going to play a game. Yeah. So I need, I need Jamin and Jassiel and Charlotte and Alex and Ben and little man here, Oliver and Jojo and Josiah and David and James and Daniel. You're going to play a game? Okay. Now, come on, Jassiel. Right, it's a, it's, a, it's a different version of a game you probably already know, okay? So, if I, if I say something to, for you to do, it's got to start with, Jesus says, okay? And if I don't say Jesus says, you don't have to do it, okay? Okay, ready? Sit down. I didn't say Jesus says, did I? Jesus says, sit down. Jesus says, stand up. Jump up and down. Ah, uh, no. Not, not, Jesus didn't say. Jesus says, run over there. Quick. Jesus says, run over there. Quick. Jesus says, turn around. Jesus says, touch your head. Touch your nose. Oh, no, Jesus didn't say. You're getting there, though. Jesus says, do a star. Jesus says, sit down. Stand up. Oh, you're getting close. You're getting there. Well done. Jesus says, stand up. Jesus says, shout. Shout. Uh, nearly. So you've got the point, right? We only do stuff if Jesus says, okay? So if Jesus says something, we have to do it. If anyone, whether it's us, whether it's the devil, whether it's evil spirits, people know if Jesus says, it's important that we do it. And we have to, okay? So I want you to sit back at your tables. Now you've got that. Thank you, guys. Well done. Well done, Jessiel. So, kids, we're going to be looking today at your next bit. So, for adults as well, Mark, Mark 1, verses 21 to 28. And I'm reading from the New Century Version, which I quickly pulled up on my phone because I'd forgotten it. Okay, so kids, are you listening? Because I'm going to ask you some questions as we go along. Okay. All there? Mark 1, verses 1, sorry, verses 21 to 28. Okay. Are you ready? Because I'm going to read it to you. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. Any of you from Capernaum, kids? You're from Capernaum? <laughs> Didn't know you were from Capernaum. I reckon some of you are. What about you, Ben? Are you from Capernaum? You sure? 
You and your brother look like they're from Capernaum. No? Jojo, are you from Capernaum? No, you're not. <laughs> Kids, can you tell me where Capernaum is? Got any ideas? Jamming. Huh? It's in Israel. Anywhere a bit closer than Israel inside it? Any ideas? Alia. Huh? It's not far from the Jordan. I'll tell you, but it's, it's right on the edge of Lake Galilee in the north. So there's a massive, great, huge lake. Like they call it the Sea of Galilee because it's so big. And it's right on the edge of, of the, 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 river, the, the River Jordan, the Lake Galilee. Okay, so Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. There's a map inside if you wanted a look, I'm being told, by a, a helpful assistant at the back. <laughs> Page 36. Okay, and on the Sabbath day, Jesus went to the synagogue. When's the Sabbath day, kids? Alia? Saturday. So they went, we go to church on Sunday, but Jewish people go on Saturday. That was the first, when God um, made the Sabbath, it was a Saturday. It's changed a bit down the years, and that's a long story, and I'm not going into it right now. But they went to the synagogue. Kids, do you know what a synagogue is? Ben. It's a bit like that, yeah. It's, we go to church, Jewish people go to synagogue. So it's where believers in God get to meet. They read from the Torah, they discuss it, they read from the Bible, I should say, to you kids. And then we hear, read here, the people were amazed at his teaching because he talked like a person who had authority. Kids, what, is it, what does someone who's got authority mean? Got any ideas? Who, who in your life might have authority over you? Jamming. Your parents. Any other ideas, kids? Who else might have authority over you? God. Good answer, Charlotte. What about your teachers? Have they got authority over you at school? What about policemen? Why have they got authority? Do you know why? Because they're in charge. They're in charge. So they're in charge of things. And, it, and what, what it's saying in your Bible is that Jesus taught with authority, that he was in charge of everything. The whole world, the universe, the planets, he holds everything. You as well holds everything together. Jesus is in charge of it all. And he taught with authority, not like it says the teachers of the law. And then it says just then... There was a man in the synagogue who had an evil spirit in him. Have you got any ideas what that might be? Any ideas? What an evil spirit might be? No? Jamming? He's an evil spirit, but yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean it was the devil. Jassiel? Can't hear you. A what? He said, oh, Satan. Yes, so he is an evil spirit. Alia. Sorry? Unholy spirits. Yes. Yeah, that, that's a good answer. So basically, basically, this man had got himself involved in things, perhaps. We don't, we're not told, but very likely, because it says he was un, it was an unevil or unclean spirit. 
It's likely that he's got himself involved in things that he shouldn't be getting involved in. Things like black magic, witchcraft, that sort of thing. And when people do that, they open themselves up to these evil spirits. And this man had one inside him. And Jesus was teaching in this synagogue. And, and it says, he shouted out, Jesus of Nazareth, what do you want with us? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're God's holy one. So this, this spirit inside this man was shouting out at Jesus. And he was saying, have you come to destroy us? He was scared of Jesus. He was scared of Jesus because Jesus is in charge and he's got authority. And the spirit shook the man violently and he gave a loud cry and it came out of him. Just like we were talking about earlier when we said Jesus says. Remember? And you did it. Jesus spoke to this evil spirit and said, be quiet and come out. And it did because it had to because Jesus was in charge. And then it says, and the news about Jesus spread quickly everywhere in the entire area of Galilee. So that was the area where that big lake was we were talking about and all the towns and cities around it. Really big area. All the news. It was, he was famous. This man's told his spirit what to do. And they did it. It was amazing. So that's where we're going to end from, from there. And I've got some, some colouring sheets for you guys. You can do it at your tables or if you want to go at the back. And it's about what we've just talked about, about Jesus casting out these, these spirits. And there you go. And there's one for Alia, if you want one. Um, would, you, would you do me a favour, John, and hand them out? Thank you to all, all the kids. So they've got one to, to be thinking about what we've just talked about. So remember, kids, Jesus is in charge. He can speak to evil spirits and the devil. and He's in charge of them and they have to do what he says. And Jesus still does these things today. Okay. Right. So now I'm going to be talking to the adults. So let's, let's, let's recap. Let's, let's reorient. Um, and I'm going to read again from, from my Bible, from Mark. Mark 1. Verse 21 to 28, just so we can really get a, a hold on it. He says as he's in the wrong place. Right, here we go. So, let's read it again, shall we? They, Jesus and his disciples, went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of the Galilee. Can somebody get me a glass of water? I'm starting to get a dry mouth already. <laughs> behind me. It's behind me. 
Start, starting to feel like a pantomime, isn't it? Okay, so there we are. Let's just recap, shall we? Should we reorient? Where's my clicker? My clicky clicker. No clicker? I'll, I'll give you the nod then when I need to change. So if you can put up the, my first slide. I've, I've minimised it. That's it, there we go. So I just want to recenter our thoughts back on the context of Mark's gospel that we've been looking at so far. And so that we're, we're not just looking at this preach or the preaches we've heard before or the ones we're going to hear and look at them in isolation as though it's just a, another event in Jesus' life. We're looking at the whole story. We're looking at an, um, the outworking of the purpose that God became a man for. It's the whole story. And actually, even this story doesn't make sense without everything that came in the Bible beforehand. We can't start at the Gospels and just go, this is when God's importance began because he was going right the way through history, right the way from what we call the Old Testament, sometimes unhelpfully, right the way through to now. But we're looking at the marks. We're looking at the context that this is, yet, this is the next step in Jesus' ministry. And so it begins with the biggest breaking news is what Mark's trying to do at the start. The biggest breaking news that the world's ever known. Because this, this, this is no ordinary person's biography that Mark's retelling us. This isn't just some famous person, someone who's well known, who's got a good story. This is, this is the real life entrance of the Messiah into the world into the human race, the long-awaited saviour to rescue fallen humanity from the grip of evil. The grip of evil that dominates human society. Jesus came to rescue us. And it's about a king like no other, bringing the influence of his kingdom to bear on a sin-sick world. Jesus is that Messiah, Jesus is that saviour. Jesus is that king. If I could have my next slide, please. So we've got four scenes here. I hope you can see them well enough. Um, so we've had his baptism. We, we've read so far the baptism uh, and the audible voice of his father coming from heaven on Jesus. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Um, and then we've been told of his temptation in the, in the desert by the devil, in the wilderness. And how Jesus overcame that. And then last week with Joe Brooks, we heard of this scene here. I'll duck down because it doesn't matter which way I go, I'm in the way. Um, this season here, Jesus get, calls his first disciples on the shores of the Lake Galilee. Peter and Andrew, James and John. And how he turned them into fishers of men. And now here we are at this next instalment of the mission of Jesus of Nazareth, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But before we, before we look at this in depth, I want to go back to God's promise of the coming Messiah through the prophet Isaiah. Can I have my next slide, please? These words, 800 years or so before this moment that Jesus is in this synagogue, 800 years or so. Let's read it. This is a messianic prophecy. 
Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And it's, it's this proclaiming of this good news, this proclaiming of freedom for captives, it's this release from darkness for prisoners that we're talking about this morning, what we're looking at. This is the work of the Messiah on earth, what he came to do. These, are, these things here are like the hallmarks, the hallmarks of this promised Redeemer, who, how they were to recognise him by because there were many people who came before Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, and they weren't. And God had told them many, many years ago, look out for this. Many had come before, but the real Messiah had now come. This is what Mark's telling us. And Jesus, straight after his, his baptism and his testing in the wilderness, it's followed up by preaching of good news. What news? Of repentance, of salvation through faith, through teaching us the ways of God through discipleship. Jesus started not by healing people, but by preaching the good news. This is the greatest need of all humans, to hear this good news. The greatest need, bar none. We cannot be saved without recognising our own sin, can we? without recognising that that's what eternally separates us from God and that we need a perfect saviour to pay the death penalty for us, for our sin. So in teaching, hang on, I've, I've skipped over here, I've missed a bit. Bear with me a second. Jesus ministered to the whole person, body, mind and spirit. He came, he came to meet our spiritual needs. He came to meet our minds, our mental needs. And he came to meet our physical needs in our body. So preaching we've just looked at. Spiritual needs. I need a saviour. I need my sin forgiven. In teaching, Jesus, the, uh, in teaching us the ways of God and his kingdom, Jesus meets our mental needs as well. Because it gives his followers a living and personal knowledge of God. And it equips them to live a redeemed lifestyle with a transformed mind. So all the stuff that's been going in our minds, that the world's taught us, that the media tells us, the, the, the ways of living, Jesus came to change all that. This book that we read, the Word of God, this is what transforms our mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in teaching, Jesus came to meet our mental needs. And in, and in meeting people's physical needs, Jesus demonstrated his compassion on his fallen people. We're all fallen beings. But he healed people from sickness and disease. And he, gave, he did deliverance, as what we're talking about today, from evil spirits from the influence of them, from the Satan, from uh, that influence in them or on them. So let, let's delve into Mark a little bit in the light of all this. 
Can I have my next slide, please? Jamming, thank you, mate. Can you see that? Hopefully you can. Um, Jesus goes into this synagogue in Capernaum and he begins to teach. And it says that the people were amazed, like amazed at his teaching because he taught with authority, not like the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law, or the scribes, they were educated men. They knew the law and the prophets very well. And they were appointed to teach the people what it said, but they did not have the authority to determine how to apply it. They had to refer to great rabbis of their past and present teachings uh, to try and explain it to people. They were always quoting someone else. They had no authority of their own. They had nothing new to bring to the table. Rabbis, well, they could determine the law and the prophets what it meant and how it should be applied. But they added extra laws and they added extra duties so that that their thinking was that the people, they did this to make sure that the people would, um, would, I'm losing my place here, that they would make sure that the people followed the actual requirements of the law and the, uh, uh, and the, sorry, the actual requirements of the actual law. So they did it by adding this extra stuff. And that gave them an amount of authority. It gave them an amount of knowledge. You didn't argue with men like this. You didn't argue with them because they were an expert. They were an authority on the subject. Jesus was different and greater than both. He had such a full knowledge of the law and the prophets. You couldn't argue with Jesus. Even the Pharisees and the teachers of the law tried. And they ended up looking stupid. He didn't need to quote any other rabbi or anyone else's teachings. When he spoke, he said things like this, but I tell you. Or he'd illustrate it through God's God's word through uh, a unique, never heard before parable of his own. And he would say things like the kingdom of heaven is like this. No one talked like that. They didn't have the authority. And there's this Jesus, and they're going, wow, what's going on? His teachings were so countercultural to the rabbinical teaching of that day that his words were like what the theologian Oswald Chambers described as spiritual torpedoes to both the religious establishment and the kingdom of darkness. Furthermore, he didn't just give a people an answer, tell them what their answer to their problem was. He became the answer to the problem. Jesus was able to do that in power. He answered and dealt with the problem. No one was doing this. This is what blew people's minds. They'd never heard this stuff before. We have, not them. They'd never heard or seen this teaching or this power demonstrated before. Any rabbi or teacher, none of them. Their minds were like... Did you hear what this guy's saying and doing? Do you hear this? It's better than Spurgeon and Tony Evans. And here he is teaching. Here he is teaching in this synagogue with authority of truth. And lo and behold, a man stands up and starts shouting at Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. 
You are the Holy One of God. It's very clear at this moment that the person talking is not the man. It's the demon within him speaking. And it's rattled by something. It's rattled and it can only be the truth of the kingdom of God coming from hearing the voice of Jesus speaking. It's rattled. Why is it rattled? Well, let's, let's step back a minute, shall we? What, what is a spirit? We talked about it with the kids briefly. What is an evil spirit? What's a demon? Where do they come from? How do they get into people? Well, we need to go right the way back. And not just to the beginning, before that, when there was just God. Before the creation of the universe, before the creation of the world, there was always God. One God made up of a, a triunity of three distinct persons of the one being. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have always been there. And this God of ours created, well, comparatively to us, large spiritual beings called angels to be his servants, to be his messengers. And there were different types of angel. There were different ranks of angel. And they all worshipped and ministered to God in the heavenly places. And there was this one very large, very impressive, bright, powerful angel named Lucifer, who later became known as Satan, the devil, who became very proud of his own beauty and his own power. And he became very jealous of God's greater power and his glory. And he wanted it to himself. He wanted to be God. Being more impressive than most of the other angels, he managed to convince a third of heaven's angels to follow him, to try and mount a rebellion against God. And that got treated with the contempt it deserved. As we know, God quickly and very powerfully ended this heavenly coup, and Satan and his angels were cast down out of heaven down to the earth. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. They went into the earth. God opened a six-pack of whoop butt on him. And these rogue angels, they before their sin, they turned evil. And they are now referred to, as in the Bible, as demons or evil spirits it's almost like God took away their title of angel so that his word referred to them as something lesser and their sole mission in existence now is to wreak havoc on the earth in both God's people and in his creation and he will, they will attempt to frustrate God's plans how did they get control of the earth and people through Adam. Let's go back to the beginning, to the Genesis. God creates Adam through the dust of the earth. He creates Eve from his side. It's ironic that when the Satan was thrown and his angels were thrown down poof, into the dirt, God created the dirt and made them in charge of the earth over the angels, these fallen angels, I should say. But along comes Satan and tells them a pack of lies about what God said. And sadly, they believe Satan and they do what God said not to do. 
and sin entered humanity. And in one foul swoop, sin not only entered humanity, it gave them authority over the earth. It had been handed over to Satan by Adam and Eve. Through continued falling, generation after generation after generation, mankind continues to sin. We still do it now. And mankind began to worship false gods. False gods, as in demons setting themselves up to be God. False gods, as well as witchcraft, as well as seeking out spiritists and mediums. Humans unwittingly allow themselves for demons to be attached to them by getting involved in things of of demonic uh, origin. And when they do these things, doing things that we shouldn't be doing, occult, witchcraft, demons are able to attach themselves to us if we do it, or enter people through demonization. And it still happens today. It still happens today. Angels, whether righteous or fallen, are way more powerful than human beings. Humans are not able to remove demonic influence or control from their lives on their own. Only God can do that. So right the way through history, anyone allowing such power over them by doing these things was stuck with these demons, with these spirits. They were stuck with them. Can I have my next slide, please? Back to our scene in Mark. Back to our scene in Mark. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. The demonized man stands up and starts shouting at Jesus. And Jesus says, literal translation, shut up. And our polite Bibles say, be quiet or be silent. The literal translation is, shut up. Come out of him. And with a lot of noise and shaking, this demon obeys Jesus. It had no choice. It was frightened of Jesus. How do we know that? Look what it says. Have you come here to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. This demon acknowledges Jesus' supremacy over it. In that statement, he realised its time was up. And Jesus could, if he wanted to, literally wipe it out right there and then. It was petrified of Jesus. And it came out. This was a watershed moment, brothers and sisters, in human history. No one had ever seen a man command or make a demon obey them. No one. The last bit of Mark, verse 28 says, news spread about him quickly throughout the Galilee. I'll bet it did. No one had done this. No rabbi, no prophet of old, no temple priest, no Israelite king had ever been able to get rid of evil spirits. None. They hadn't clocked, though, why Jesus was able to do it. 
they said, what is this? A new teaching? Because that's all they knew, teaching from rabbis, telling them what the word said. Is this some sort of new teaching? Why did they think that? Why did they think that? Because it didn't, it, they didn't even realise how Jesus did it. Apart from hearing the words and thinking, how's he done that? It didn't enter their heads that God himself was standing in front of them. No one had been thinking, surely only God can do that. Why? Because they saw a man standing in front of them. And so they assumed it was teaching of some kind they'd never seen before. Any other rabbi or prophet of old could have uttered those same words as Jesus and the demon would have completely ignored them. Would have completely ignored them because they didn't have the divine clout to order them to do anything. But Jesus did. Friends, we worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Name above all names. We must realise that all authority in heaven and on earth is his. There's no one like him. None. None. Matchless. No rival. <sighs> Breathe. Application. A few weeks ago, Hannah uh, um, and I went out with the youth. Um, and we... And we Youth is done, like done once a month, and so we went through all of Mark 1 with the kids, with the kids, the youth, and we went through it, and we got all of the youth to read a section out, a bit by bit, and we got to this bit, and then Hannah said to the, to the youth, um, what do you make of all this? You know, what jumped out at you? And the person who was reading it went, do we believe in this? This stuff? And I'm thinking... Oh my goodness, we've assumed that they knew. We'd assumed we haven't talked to them about it. They think it's a story. Something nice to tell each other, something inspiring. They don't know that it's real. Friends, this isn't just a story or a legend of old that sounds amazing, like a cleverly made-up Hollywood film that we watch, where we go, oh, that was nice, but it's just fantasy. No, it wasn't. We've got to be aware of these things. We've got to understand why the world is so full of hate and horrific crimes and greed and selfishness. It's not merely physical problems in this world. Not merely physical problems. We have to realise that when something is a we have to realise when something is a spiritual issue. When everything humanly has been tried, and it's not shifted. Throwing money at it, counselling, educating, medicine, science, policing, law, rehabilitation, willpower, even when nothing's changing. Nothing's dealing with it permanently. It's a spiritual problem. And spiritual problems can only be dealt with spiritually. And the only spiritual thing that has clout, the power to change it, is Jesus. Only Jesus.
This Jesus we've just read about, this Jesus that we've just looked at while teaching in the synagogue, interrupted, and then he commanded it to come out, and it did. He still delivers people today. And what's more, I believe he wants to set people free today from demonic control or oppression in this place of worship. Don't believe that Christians can't be, have demonic influence, because they can. You don't think oh, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit or when I became a believer that they can't enter, because they can. You can allow them to. And if, if it was there before and you haven't taken away its authority, it remains there. You see, Jesus loves you. He loves every person in this room dearly. And he doesn't want you to be tormented or controlled anymore. He comes today to remove all spiritual powers and authorities from their seat of influence, from their place of control. If you've dabbled in things of the occult and it's making you fearful and you're having horrific dreams and thoughts in your mind and stuff happens around you, today is your day of deliverance. Jesus is here. Today is your day of deliverance. If you've participated in the practices of other religions or worship these false gods, if it's confusing you and holding you back from worshipping, serving and responding to the one and only God, today is your day of deliverance. Jesus is here. If you're struggling with a sickness or a condition that just won't shift no matter what medicine or therapy does, it might be spiritual. And if it is, today is your day of deliverance and wholeness. Jesus is here. If you're struggling with anger or a particular sin that no matter how hard you try, it keeps coming back, it keeps coming up, it might be a spiritual stronghold. Today is your day of deliverance. Jesus is here. And lastly, let it be known to any evil power or principality here today, know this, Jesus the King has come for you today. His face is set against you and he ends your influence and control today. I want to finish there.